I lost the ability to be there with my children, being incarcerated for so long. But I did everything I can could to reach out from in there. And I'm still trying to fix damage that was done because of a bad choice I made 20-some years ago. Because black then, I had excuses and complaints. I had cut corner ways of doing things. And I allowed myself to get involved in something that I should not have been. Because I said I had to do it to take care of my family. But right back in the moments I was doing those things, my black family life didn't matter. What I was trying to get done at the moment was what mattered the most. The Unorthodox Haven will cover a wide range of topics to offer unique perspectives pushing back on conventional wisdom. We hope to inspire self-discovery over emulation. We believe you should think outside the box, regardless of what it looks or sounds like to others. Here at Unorthodox Haven, there's no right or wrong answer, just your own unique perspective. If you want to talk to me, if you want some mentorship, if you want some guidance, you're going to have to leave where you are and come over here. But what I'll do is, you too stupid, listen, I'm going to talk to your big homie. I know he know me. He know who I am. I'm going to get him over here with me out, to, out the hood so he don't feel like he got to put on a put on ass for y'all. I'm going to bring him over here to me, send him down like this, bro. You kid in the neighborhood. The people out here are scared of y'all. We say black lives matter. What does it mean? It's an empty phrase right now. Yeah. They just had right here in Newport News, I think six guys uh, a few nights ago, six guys got murdered out here. One with a triple homicide. Whose lives matter? So when we say things like, when we say things like black lives matter, that stuff has to have meaning to it. If I go home and treat my wife like dirt, I run women all day and night. I have no respect for her. How does black lives matter? I get up in the morning time, I won't go work. I complain about how we've been treated in this country. I, I complain about how I can't get ahead, but I won't work. I came home and went and got a job at Smithfield packing at $18 an hour. I didn't get locked because my PO actually messed me going up over there because I had to go meet him that day. And he didn't call me back in time to say I could reschedule the meeting. So it was either finish orientation or go meet my PO. So I went to meet my PO, lost the job. But because I became, a, I, I got my pearly degree while I was in prison still, I was able to start advertising my services online. So all the money I would have made that week on the job, I made it anyway from clients. When I get that money in my hand, and I'm saying Black Lives Matter, what do I do with it? Do I go out of here and do I go out here and I spend all my money on things that make me look good? No. Quality merchandise, bargain prices, that's my motto. Black Lives Matter. My life matter. That means I gotta pay my bills. To pay my bills, I gotta do something to make sure I don't go to prison, go to jail. I'm not having anybody hounding my, my steps every day. Black Lives Matter. I see you in the, in the mall, don't know you, walk past you, look right past you like you don't exist. Why do I do that? I'm not if black lives really matter. And it's not to say that no other lives matter, but we got to deal with ourselves first. So I walk past you. What's up, bro? How you doing, bro? I do this shit all the time. I can, tell, I can see people surprised on their face when I do it sometimes because it has gotten so bad out here to where we all walk past each other and we won't even acknowledge each other's existence. Yeah, what we say, edge on us. There you go. Yeah. But we say black lives matter. We have children. Who's raising our children? Schools. As, shit, they're not raising them. They can't. Uh, I mean, YouTube? Pro proximity with time. Social media. Social media, exactly. Social media. Yeah. Mm. I just saw a little baby. This baby was in diapers. It's on my phone right now. The little baby, her mama was like, go twin, go twin. This baby couldn't have been a year old. Mm -hmm. She was on her hand, shaking her booty. Her little brother popped on her butt. Stop. That's nasty. I was pleasantly shocked. 
Because that little boy, somebody taught him right somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's wrong for your sister. Black lives matter. So these little small things are, are how we show that black lives matter. Taking care of our kids, being present. I lost the ability to be there with my children, being incarcerated for so long. Mm -hmm. But I did everything I can and could to reach out from in there. And I'm still trying to fix damage that was done because of bad choice I made 20-some years ago. Mm -hmm. Because black then, I had excuses and complaints. I had cut corner ways of doing things. And I allowed myself to get involved in something that I should not have been. Because I said I had to do it to take care of my family. But right back in the moments I was doing those things, my black family life didn't matter. Mm. What I was trying to get done at the moment was what mattered the most. For sure. So now that I'm back out, every day I get up, I try to live as if black lives matter. My life matters. So I do the right things for myself first. I keep my promises to myself. So when I, when I get the opportunities, my cousin like, hey, I want you to sit down and talk to so-and-so. Mm -hmm. I ask him, who are they? What are they upon? What do they want to talk about? Because I will not go and sit and engage in a bunch of conversation about frivolity that's not going to benefit me or benefit the causes that I have and I'm attached to. For my sure. face matters. Mm -hmm. My name matters. So I want to be around people. Excuse me. I want to be around people. That's a brother coming from prison now. I want to be, he's one of my clients. I want to be around people who understand that who you around matters. For it's going to reflect upon how I see you. I agree. Right, yeah, that's a good segue for me to go ahead and just at least <clears throat> open up the podcast real quick. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Welcome to the Unorthodox Haven. Um, this podcast uh, kind of came about just by um, an idea that I had. I wanted to get into podcast networking. Um, and so for me, in order to do anything, I got to know what it is. I got to like put myself in that situation. So that's where this podcast kind of came from. And I started, it was just really to, for me to learn the dynamics of podcasting, what it is, what artist, artist development is around it, what, artists, what it all means. And since then, I've learned the value of conversation. So that's where this was born. This is a place where we can just sit down and talk about anything. I want to talk about things of substance, just like you mentioned. I, 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 when you said that on the phone, I, I respect it. Because you wanted to know what you was coming to get into, who you was about to be around, what kind of setting you was about to be around. You just conscious about where you, you know what I mean, what path you're going, you know what I mean, and, and how a situation can kind of mold and, and make you, oh, paint a picture of who you are. Yes. So this is a space that we, I, I want to have these kind of conversations about who you are and your perspective of things, you know what I mean? Um, I want people to listen in and um, pull from this conversation what you please, whether you learn a lesson, whether you can take and apply it to, to your life and situation and... Um, and, and every perspective matters. Every perspective is different. Everybody got different walks of life, you know what I mean? And they uh, move and operate as well for different reasons. So just take what you can from the conversation and I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. All right, so today, you know what I mean? I got my, my, my good friend Lo here um, as, a, as, a, as a mic with me today. Um, known Lo for over 20 years at this point. Um, and then the other brother I got for me, across from me right now, I would like you to introduce yourself to the people, let them know who you are, um, what you about, you can tell you can indulge anything about yourself and then we can get right to the conversation. My name is Donnell J. Blunt Senior. I'm the owner and CEO of DJB Paralegal Service. And I did 22 years in prison, which is what led me to forming my paralegal service. Um, I'm a Muslim and I try to make conscious efforts to live my life the right way every day. Okay. Engaging with good people that have similar aims. 
All right, so paralegal. So, so how how did you get into the whole paralegal, or what is your your end in the paralegal way? Well, what I do is well, let me tell you how I got got started. Okay. Um, I got to it earlier. I I did twenty two years in prison, and those twenty two years, one of the refrains that you hear often is how our lawyers did not do a good job for us uh, at the trial phase or the appellate phase, mm -hmm. and a lot of that came from us not knowing the law. You know, there were guys that did things and that deserved to be in prison. There were those that didn't do it, uh, something that deserved to be there, or they did not deserve the amount of time that they received. Mm -hmm. So they changed the system like that. You have to first know the laws. So I began to educate myself. I read, and I read a lot. Mm -hmm. Once you read the laws, you know the laws and what they say. You have to learn how to use them. So then I had to start studying trial tactics. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of these things began with me trying to figure out what went wrong with my case. Okay. Um... Once you do that, you know, you realize that there is something that you're just not getting because we're not attorneys. So I actually went to school. I went to Blackstone Career Institute, and I was serious in my studies. I was actually fortunate to graduate with honors, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm still pursuing my education uh, further. So I have, I won a lot of lawsuits against the Department of Corrections, Virginia Department of Corrections. Okay. From jail? Uh, from prison, yes. Okay. Wow. Um, I took that money and invested in also, so I didn't just take the money and just blow it. I invested my money while I was in there. Okay. Uh, I had lawyers that I worked with over the years that would hear about my cases. They would come to court when I was in court and just come to hear me and see, you know, if I was capable of uh, handling myself properly. Nice. And they would compliment me on the manner in which I would handle myself in court. And a lot of them told me, if you ever get a chance to get out, pursue your law degree. So I took that serious. So right now, I actually also work for a, a prominent attorney uh, here in Virginia, mm -hmm. and I'm reading for the bar with him. So I do plan on sitting to take the state bar exam eventually. Um, my paralegal service, I, try, I mainly focus on providing clemency preparation for guys who are, uh, who are actually trying to petition the governor's office for clemency. Okay. And those who are actually eligible for parole and preparing for parole hearings. All right, so people, so the people that, that don't know, could you explain what clemency is? Because I know a lot of people say, like, well, what is that? The gist of clemency is mercy. The governor of Virginia has the, the right in Virginia without answering to anyone to grant you clemency. Uh, there is conditional clemency, which means that conditional clemency, conditional pardon, those are the same things. Pardon and clemency is the same word. Okay. So conditional pardon, conditional clemency, that means that the governor can, he can cut your time, he can declare your case, um, invalid, throw it out. He can, uh, you know, there's a plethora of things that he can do for you. Yeah. Um, mainly, mo most people that get conditional pardon, though, you get a time cut. Okay. That's the most common way. Then there's what's called an absolute pardon. An absolute pardon where the, the governor actually decides that your case, uh, that you're innocent and that he actually fully exonerates you. The governor could do that? The governor can do that, Yes. Hmm. Like, again, without answering anyone, he can do that up to the day he walks out of office. How, now, how often does this, does this usually happen? I'm just curious. It depends on the administration. Beginning back with Governor McAuliffe, uh, you started to see a lot more people receiving clemency in Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the, the same thing was followed up when, um, when Governor, um, wow. no, Governor um, Glenn Youngkin's predecessor he just left office. The man just ran to be clemency. I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, man, that's horrible. Um, It'll come to you. Yeah, it'll come to me. It'll come to you. Governor Youngkin's predecessor. Mm -hmm. So it continued with his administration. Northern. Okay. Yes, Governor Northern. 
That administration continued to grant clemency. And they did things that were unprecedented in this state. Governor uh, McCullough attempted to pardon, like, I want to say 69,000, 70,000 people that were already incarcerated. On that note, the manner in which he did it, the Supreme Court of Virginia struck it down, saying it was unconstitutional. Hmm. Um, and then Governor Youngkin came along, I'm sorry, Governor uh, uh, Northern came along and uh, furthered that work. Under the Republican administration, there are less people being granted clemency. There are less people being granted parole. It's because of the, 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 what they believe in in that, in that system, or? It's a politics thing. Okay. So, you know, a lot of those things tend to follow the party lines. What I've learned, though, is no matter who sits in office, no matter who's reviewing you for clemency and or parole, mm -hmm. if you find yourself incarcerated, you have to give them no excuses to not give it to you. You have to stay out of trouble. You can't catch institutional charges. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't not program. You have to program. You have to take the trades. You have to make sure that you are gainfully employable when you walk out the prison doors. If you have to, they have to, they, they, you can't give them a chance to say that you have not be, been rehabilitated. I don't care if you maintain your innocence. You do everything that you can while you're in there to be the best you, you that, that you can be. How do you balance that though? Like so, when, when I hear that, right, mm -hmm. and um, and we could probably speak to it later, but we're talking about prison. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about going into a place of what a lot of people consider, like, you know what I mean, um, you know what I mean, like gladiator school. So how do you, if you, gotta, if you have to be in this environment, how do you participate in this environment, not doing the things that kind of can protect you in this environment? You can't get in trouble. You can't give, give them a reason not to let you out, but then you have to, you have to be in this environment. How do you, do you think it's the, the, the lack of knowledge that, people, that some of these young dudes, they, just, they don't know that the political side can actually help them out or staying out of trouble can, you know what I mean, how much that can help them out down the line? Like, where's the disconnect? That's the first part. You have to toe the line in life, period. Mm -hmm. When you go to your job, you have to toe the line. You know, you may have a way that you want to act when you're out with your buddies, no matter, no matter who you are. When you're out with your friends, you know, you go out, you have to toe the line. You're at work. When you're in prison, you don't have a choice but to be there. You're there. It's not like you're going to walk out the door, I'm tired of being here today. No, you're there. Mm -hmm. So you have to decide how you want to conduct yourself. You can be a grown-ass man and carry yourself like a grown man, or you can be easily influenced. You can be pulled upon by others, and they're going to take away your grown man card, and they'll dictate to you how to carry yourself. So you walk in the door and you walk in the door understanding that you are a grown man responsible for yourself. You're not beholden to anyone for anything other than to treat people with courtesy and respect and go about your business. If you carry yourself like that, nine times out of ten, you won't have a problem in prison. Okay. You have to carry yourself like that amongst your peers. Let me say that. Most staff do their job. They don't bother you. There's always a cadre of those fools that come in with this chip on their shoulder to prove a point. Mm -hmm. But most staff do their job. The prison system itself is hard. You're away from your family, away from your loved ones. Mm -hmm. To touch on the other subject, let me say this right here. You asked about the political side. Here's what happens. When you don't trust a system, you don't trust that system in its entirety. So you take from the governor down to the judge, back there from the governor down to the officer that arrested, you lump mm -hmm. them all into one system. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that there's a, that there's a multi-tiered level to uh, the system. You have police officers, you have the judges, you have the clerks, you have the district attorney's office, you have the appellate court, you have the court that sits above the appellate court, the Virginia, the Virginia Supreme Court. You have the director, you have the DOC, you have the governor and his cabinet. 
in which change is all, you're in prison more than four years, more likely you're going to see two administrations come in. Mm -hmm. You're going to see uh, the appointees from the administration change. Some of those administrations are wild enough to keep people in certain positions. That, then you'll see those people that stay there over, over, over the course of 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and they serve, they serve each governor um, based on what their job requires them to do. So, yes, there, there's a political aspect that guys don't trust because of what they've experienced in the past. You lose that trial. You got arrested. Yeah. You lost that trial. You lost your appeal. Mm -hmm. You lost uh, any post-conviction proceeding that you filed to try to challenge the case. Now you're here and you, and you expect someone to grant you relief. Let me tell you why I filed for clemency. I had two of my buddies. Mm -hmm. They pressured me to file it. I told them, why would I file for clemency? No one's going to grant it. Yeah. I paid. I had just paid an attorney, man, a, a grip of money, man, to fight my case. Mm -hmm. This lawyer, listen to me. I did the case myself. He said, "I normally charge ten thousand. I take six because you did all the work." He took what I filed, put his name on it, and filed it. My work is that good. We wound up ultimately losing the case uh, because he went to court and refused to answer one of the Supreme Court's uh, questions. But he, here's what I'm getting at: you lose all these things. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I had paid this lawyer. He went in court, messed up what I'd done, messed up my work. We got a, we got a uh, oral argument for the Virginia Supreme Court off of what I'd written. And now my guy like, hey, file for clemency. I'm like, man, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. I've taken all these losses for so long. Why? They're like, well, why wouldn't you? Give it a try. You don't have anything to lose. I did it. And if I'm going to do something, I believe in doing it the right way. So if I'm going to file asking the government to let me go, I have to make sure that all my T's are crossing my eyes, I dotted. Mm -hmm. So I began to go back and, and evaluate myself before I actually filed the petition. What have I been doing? What, have my, what does my record look like? Have I educated myself? Have I gotten all the trades I can get? So I did that and I did. I, I, I said, okay, well, I have a chance. Mm -hmm. I filed. Then I started studying, okay, how does clemency work? Like you, the questions you're asking me right now. So I went and got a treatise that was written by uh, Walter McFarlane. He was Governor Wilder's. Um, he he was he the, the position he had on the governor's wildest uh, cabinet was that he reviewed people for clemency. Okay. So he wrote an entire package on the clemency process, even going all the way back to the Magna Carta. So I'm like, hey, I'm gonna read this, mm -hmm. and I studied it, and I'm talking, about I devoured it, and I learned the clemency process. Well, we're in different times now. We're in the social media age, mm -hmm. so I started asking the young guys, hey, if I want to put something out there online, how can I do it? How can I garner support for my petition? Mm -hmm. If I want to get people out there to sign on and help me out, what can I do? And the young guys, you'll be amazed what they know about their social media and how they can tell you how to utilize it for whatever your cause is. For sure. So I began to listen to what they say. See, I became the student. Mm -hmm. I'm not unk anymore. Now I'm down there the student. Yep, yep. So they teach me about this stuff, and they like teaching me because they, they call me old head. They like teaching the old head about some of these things uh, that, they are, that they are used to, they grew up with. Mm -hmm. So I began to use those things. That right there, it started giving me faith that, man, this, this could work. I did that. I was able to garner support from uh, Senator Louise Lucas and Delegate Don Scott. They wrote a beautiful letter and supported me, but they interviewed me first. Mm -hmm. And they, it took about a year before they actually wrote the letter because they wanted to see where, my, where I really was. Mm -hmm. And they wrote the letter, and the people began to respond because other politicians began to come on board. Like, hey, there was, my stuff was getting noticed. My uncle... Uh, my uncle Pete, man, he um, he took my uh, my stuff to one of his, his church, 
asked his pastor, hey, I want to put this up on the church bulletin board about my nephew. Um, could I do that? So they did. And the church members responded, man. They start. I wrote an email, mm-hmm. and I asked people to send this in as an email campaign. Mm-hmm. Standing in solidarity with me and my loved one to get me out. And people responded in kind. I had over 2,000 people from around the world. Wow. 2,666 to be exact signed my petition by the time I finally uh, um, got everything in. Mm-hmm. So they did not be clemency. I was heartbroken. I, mean, I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. January 2021, they did not be clemency. And I said, I'm never going home. And I thought about it. Nope, I'm going to redouble my efforts. So I reached out to my cousin, hmm. uh, Pizzo. He interviewed me on the radio. Man, my petition number started going up. Because people now, like, people hear me. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm learning, whoa, 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 okay. It's not that people won't support me. They didn't know about it. Yeah. Friends that I hadn't seen for 20 years didn't know that I, once someone didn't know I was going to prison. Some of them thought I was still in the military. Yeah, yeah. And they began to support it. Then I began to show what happened in my case. How the police came to me the night before my trial and showed me where the victim, the night before my trial, identified another guy, the one that robbed him. They told me, well, you'll be gone in the morning if you give us a statement against this other guy. I refuse. And I, well, I didn't just refuse. I kind of cussed people out real, real bad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I cussed yeah. them out real bad. And uh, the next morning, we went to trial and I got convicted. That's the short version. So yeah. I began to understand how the commission process worked myself by delving into it, supporting myself. Once I did that, now I know how the process worked. Because once they denied me, they went back and they went back and put me back on the table to re-interview me. Mm-hmm. They sent somebody out there to the prison to interview me, and the interview went great. And they gave it to me. So they wound up giving to me clemency. Um, they gave it to me September on August 27th. I got the paper September the 3rd. I cried like a baby, man. I bet. All the, I'm, some, I'm talking about some of the toughest guys in the system that right there in the park with me. Like, my guys, man, they hugging me. We crying. They, they crying. They didn't know why I was crying yet. But I couldn't talk. That's crazy. I'm just, they literally, they, me and my dudes were crying, man. I knew I was crying. I couldn't tell them why because I'm, 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 I'm speechless. Yeah, yeah. They're crying. I'm crying. But they don't know why they're crying. They realized because I was, I was just praising God, man, but they didn't know why. Yeah. So, so then once I, did, once I got it, that's when I went back to school. So I think my 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 paralegal degree is a two year program. I did it in six months because mm-hmm. I was serious about getting home with my degree. Um, so I came home and I started a DJB paralegal service, so that I can do the same things for other guys that I have been doing for myself. Mm. The lawsuits, preparing. I can't now. I can't represent you in court, mm-hmm. but I can prepare certain documents for yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I've had attorneys since I've been home that have. Reached out like, hey, can you draft such and such? They, 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 would, they would contract me as a paralegal, and I would do certain work for their offices, mm-hmm. and you know, and 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 I, and I make money like that. All right, so I want I, I, I want to back. No, 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 uh-huh. no, no apologize. So I want to back up a minute. Um, I want I want to highlight that moment um, when those guys ask you why not. When you're taking advice from somebody that's walked the path already. And I mean, and even if it's been a good path, bad path, we will take advice from them because based on what they decided or what they experienced or what they saw. Right. And you get into systems like that, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of those guys, they kind of fall victim like, hey, hey, this is about to happen. You ain't going to get this. You ain't going to get out of here. It's a wrap. You're going to serve your time. You know what I mean? If you get lucky, you might, you know, you know what I'm saying? So they, and then you accept that. Once you accept that and you don't got nobody around you asking or even giving you an option to any other option and say, hey, this is a real option for you. Right. You falter, you know what I mean? And I be, you know what I mean, for me, I, I think that a lot, of these, a lot of these young boys, they need that. They need somebody to come around and say, yo, like, yo, why, like, yo, if you ask yourself, why can't you do this or why can't you do that, like, 
why can't you do that? Or why do you have to, why do you have to accept that perspective of this is how things are going to go? But I just want to talk about that, that moment them guys ask you why not. Like, I want to speak to that because the value of that is... It was a life altering moment for me because most, in, in that system, and kind of in life, we have, we, have a, we have a line of patience with people. When we see people that aren't acting in their own best interest, if you're doing something every day that's antithetical to what you say you want to accomplish, after a while, it's like, you know what, man? He's going to do what he wants to do. And we'll leave it alone. Yep. We'll leave it to your own devices. And though I wasn't doing anything hurtful to myself, I just wasn't doing enough to help myself in their eyes. And this is my guy Reese uh, and my guy Mitch. You know, and they they hounded me, and they they had been denied clemency. They had been denied, but each of them had been given steps to take, which was rare that the governor's all would actually write you back and actually tell you steps, specific steps to take versus a generalized stay out of trouble and apply again later. Yeah. So they showed me where they had been given those specific steps to take and that they believed that had they adhered to those steps, they would finally get out. Reese did. Um, uh, Mitch got us some trouble. but So I'm like, okay. And I was just like, okay. They cared enough to tell me about it and to hound me about it. So I figured, okay, I'll go ahead and do it. Initially, like I said, it was just to get them off of my back. Mm -hmm. But as I began to write and, and see how the process worked, I realized, hey, there's something here. Mm. There was there's something here. This could work for me. That's dope. If you go out and see a guy that's doing something he's not supposed to be doing, that could potentially get himself in trouble. Mm -hmm. And you're telling him, and he's paying his bills with it. He's taking care of his financial responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Though he's in jeopardy. And he's like, dude, you, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm doing I'm, financially. I'm, I have what I need right now. Mm -hmm. You'll say, yeah, but this job, man, this, it may pay weekly or it may pay bi-weekly, but this job, like, look, 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 if you do this right here, mm -hmm. it'll be a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you gotta, cause sometimes these guys, like, you may have been successful doing these things. He don't know how you live though. For sure. He's having, he's never seen your house. Mm -hmm. He never seen your, you know, he might have seen your car maybe if you're around him, mm -hmm. but he may have not seen the fruits of your hard labor. You can't do this with everyone, but sometimes people need to see the fruits. How do you bridge that gap, though? How, how do you, you know what I'm saying? How do you reach these guys and, like, you know what I mean, and do that for them? There is no one formula because we all come from, we're made up of the sum total of our backgrounds. So how you reach me may be one way. Mm -hmm. How you reach the next guy may be another way. Okay. We're all vets right here, right? Mm -hmm. um, I didn't retire. You retired. The brother here is still active duty. The manner in which you reach out to me may be through, uh, you may say something uh, about the Marine Corps that catches my attention. Mm -hmm. You may say something to the brother about the Army, uh, I'm sorry, the Air Force that catches his attention and vice versa. Mm -hmm. What works for me may not work with him. I agree. So we have to sit down sometime and we have to, before we open our mouth to go talk to someone or speak into their life, we got to make sure that what we want to say is for that person. I agree. Because we'll start thinking that we have a, a catch-all solution. Yep. That's where we run into problems at. Mm -hmm. So that's the form. That's what I believe the formula is. It has to be individualized. Some things are just going to be right across the board. I Stop agree. doing crime, work, make mm -hmm. money. That's yep. straight across the board. Straight across the board. Now, yep. what you do mm -hmm. or what job you present to this guy versus this guy may be two different things. This guy might, guy might, may not be a people's person. Yep. So you know, this guy might be hands on. He might want to go work in a factory. Yep. So you know? I, I, I battle with that same thing because if I want to tell, I want to give. I want to inspire someone, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But at the same time, I don't, want to, I don't want to overstep my boundaries and be like, hey, I did this thing and try to insinuate, hey, you go do this, this could mm -hmm. print out for you. But I also want to 
instill some kind of inspiration in you. So how do I give advice to somebody that might have walked a different path than me? Or how do you reach these youth? And, and a lot of this is it's all opinion-based, and you know what I mean? Because there's so many different ways, like you said, but you know what I mean? How do you, you, know I mean? how do you reach these guys? Watch this right here. We hate being invisible. Mm-hmm. We hate, we walk into a room and nobody sees us. We hate feeling like that, that nobody sees us. We go about our day and we're just one body just floating around the world and we don't feel seen. When we get like that, it's, it's, it's hurtful. And when people start walking to us and just telling us what they went doing, how they succeeded in life, it's like, dude, you don't know me. You don't know my background, what I've been through. Because I think that's where we start. We start off wrong. We start off trying to tell people what we've been through and, and, and how things have been through us. Because we see that person going through something that we, we're trying to get them on the right path mm-hmm. or help better them. Yes. What I found, let me give you an example. My wife and I were in a restaurant when I first came home. And this young lady that was, was waiting at the table, she had a beautiful disposition. So I said, baby, do you, do you see that? Like, man, she just has a beautiful disposition. I said, I'm going to say something to her. So she, when she came back over to bring the check, I said, excuse me, my name is Donnell. And it's my wife right here. And I said, you just have a great personality. I said, um, I, you do a great job. And I said, let me ask you a question. If you weren't doing this, what would you like to do? I said, because I think you could do anything. What would you like to do? Yeah. Then she, she opened up and told me. She wanted to do charitable work over in uh, uh Man, it's overseas. <laughs> I was yeah, in the wrong place. Yeah. It's overseas. So she wanted she wanted to do charitable work. So I'm like, wow. I was like, do you think you're going to be able to do it? Mm-hmm. So she's like, maybe. I said, well, what do you need to do to accomplish that? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I think you can do it. If you really look what I'm doing, I'm letting her answer her own questions. Okay. I'm letting her tell me what she wants to do. I ain't told her nothing about my passion. I want her to tell me what she wants to do with her life. Mm-hmm. Then I asked her, well, what do you think you could do to get there? Because I think you can do it. That right there sets it up where she's like, I'm not telling her about how to get there. I'm not giving her answers to her own questions. Not yet. But that's my ultimate plan. But I need to hear where her mind is at about her own dreams and goals and aspirations in life. If I don't know those things, everything I tell her before that may not even apply in the the slightest form. So by hearing her talk it out, it's like, wow, okay, now I can start customizing what I want to say Mm -hmm. to fit her needs or what I may think be her needs. So, eventually, and then watch this. I, I said, let me tell you why I think you can make it. I said, I just came from prison a few days ago. I said, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to get my business license. I'm going to do this. Everything I told her I'm going to do. She said, oh, I got a relative that's in prison. And he was in there for such and such. And I'm saying to myself, he's really in there for what she just said. Okay, this, this is wrong. I said, I'm going to give you my personal phone number. Gave it to her. I got a phone call about two weeks later. Somebody said, hey, excuse me, uh, my name is such and such. Did you, did you talk to my daughter uh, at work the other day? Yes. My cousin is such and such. His sister is this person. Mm-hmm. We want to talk to you as a family. We talk. That became my first client. Wow. They, that became my first client. I didn't stop there. I check on this young lady on a, at least every two to three, week, th- two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. My wife and I went back up there and had lunch. She got a, I found out they were being paid. It was horrible. They paid waitress like $1.52 an hour. Yeah. For sure. So. It's the tips I, that they get. Right. Yeah. yeah. Then, it, man, the, that's horrible because that's based on if you get tips. So you'd be working mm-hmm. for hours for nothing. Yeah. So I went up there that day with the sole purpose to give her a big tip. That's the only reason I went up there so I could give her a big tip. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason I went up there. And let's see her. Just check, check in on her. Mm-hmm. Then, it's, then she actually opened up further about some, what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So she told me. So what I've been doing now is reaching out to people that know people in that industry. 
So my next step is to go back to her with a package. Here, call these people right here. They're going to give you a chance. I not only hear what she had to say and then spoke my little piece, I actually took an active uh, 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 active step toward getting her towards her goal. Because we can't tell people to go get a job. Bro, it hooked me up with an interview. Yeah, yeah. Give me somebody. Give me a phone number. Mm-hmm. So I can say, man, uh, 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 Hummer told me to call you. Yeah. That's my active. name Donnie Hummer gave me, gave me, gave me a number set call. So when, when we start talking about getting, telling people to stop doing what they're doing, we got to be able to get them to that next step of where they need to go. Mm. That casual advice out here these days, man, people can't eat off of casual advice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that, true, that, wow. yeah active and, and passive is two different, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, two different avenues. But, I mean, with the passive thing, um, I, as you were talking, I, I feel like podcasting is passive. Like, mm-hmm. to me, because someone listening to this, right, they can't interact with you. Mm-hmm. They can't pull back from you. They can, they can hear us talking, and they can take your conversation. They can walk away and... They can learn something from it. They can pull whatever they pull from it, whether it be what I say, what you say. And it's passive because you're never going to interact with that person. You know what I'm saying? But you still influence them or you have the ability to influence them because they, don't, they might not ever make it to the same room, room as you. But you get on the podcast or you're getting out here and doing production and being a guest and getting an interview and people are going to tune into that interview. Like you said, they put it up at the church and people start responding to that. People are going to respond to hearing you on the podcast. Based on whatever little piece of the conversation they pull or that resonated with them. You, you know what I'm saying? So at the same time, I, I get it. You got to be active and be like, boom, boom, bap. Passive is just as influential. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it just is, it, the, the weight is just, to me, it's still mm-hmm. as heavy because there's a lot of people that I've affected mm-hmm. that I didn't find out. I, I infected them till five years down the line. They was like, yo, bro, back in the day, man, when you was doing this, that, and the third, that kind of just got my mind frame on this wave, and, and then it snowballed into whatever it snowballed. And then I was like, damn, like, all my actions have the potential to affect someone in a crazy way. So then, you know what I mean, all this passive stuff, is, it's just as heavy. Because there's a lot of people that I reach, especially on the, now that I'm in, in, on the microphone, I reach people that I'll never be in a room with, people in Utah and California that don't know me, that don't, will ever, won't ever know me. But still, my story and whatever I, I communicate on this microphone and you, mm-hmm. is going commu- to communicate them in a certain way. And it's all passive because you won't be in the same room. You're not going to be active in their life. You dig what I'm saying? I hear you, but I don't, I don't agree. I don't think this is passive. I don't think Explain. this is passive at all. These words resound, resound around a person's mind when they hear them. Mm-hmm. Something, they pick up a seed. They pick up something that, that, that just, it has such an impression on their life. It, it's life altering. Mm-hmm. Or it, it plants a seed. Passivity to me is just that the casual saying thing, they're moving on. This is this is passion right here. This is competency. Like you can be passionate, not competent. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying, it has no real meaning to it. So it kind of flutters in the air and it dies away. Yes. So I don't think you're being passionate. I don't think podcasts are passive. I have a podcast, actually. Okay. Um I don't think they're passive. I think they are very uh, active. Your words are active. I tell you once here, go out there in, in the street and call somebody the nasty thing you can say. Them. See what happens. Mm-hmm. It's going to get a physical response. About guarantee it. Your words gonna get a, are going to are going to garner a physical response. Okay. These words are powerful. I agree. And a lot of times they're more. A lot of time what you do here will be more powerful. Than even giving him that phone number to go call because guess what? He or she they they'll hear that what you say here. 
And without you being there present, they'll go act on, hey, them guys actually care enough to get up there, talk about going to do these things. And they may want to be the person to be in a position to give somebody else a phone number to call. Mm-hmm. So how our words affect different people, I mean, how, about how, our words of, uh, have, how our words affect people are going to be different case to case. I agree. But it's not passive. Even just hearing your story, too, as well, people were listening in the story, and it might give them a glimpse of hope, too, as well. Mm-hmm. And they might see that change, because obviously you've been through a lot of change. Yes. And uh, I, I accomplish you on, like, hey, all the change that you've been through. And uh, that's, that's very significant. But I would just say, hey, for me, and me continue to grow as a leader within the Air Force, like, what's your philosophy on, on change? You, you can't get stuck in one position. When things reveal themselves to you, for instance, I mean, here's, a, here's a great example. When I came home, man, <laughs> my wife like, um, I had some money saved to get a car. She's like, it's not going to get the kind of car that you're going to need. I'm going to the auction, man. Shit, I'm going to the auction, pay for this car cash money. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. I don't have a car note. Mm-hmm. Moving on. She's like, no, nah, don't, don't do that. Because if that car breaks down, you're not going to get a warranty from the auction. Do this right here. I resist it. Until I started going and look at going to dealership with the amount of money I had, and they were like, "I'm like, yo, man, what the world? I, don't, I can't drive that." Mm-hmm. Even when I found a nice car, it like, man, the mileage on it was crazy. Yeah. So I went, I wound up going to a dealership, got a great deal, talked the guy down, paid significantly more money, but I paid, I, I wound up get what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I got an extended warranty. I, I got a warranty for uh, like a four year warranty on the car. Mm-hmm. Paid a little bit for that also. Mm-hmm. Park, backing up, parking. Like use the camera, like you man, Scott use mirrors. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that camera, you know how, you know how you can parallel park with a camera? Oh, you, listen, yeah, you so, trust me, I know. Man, so I, I got one. Yeah, 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 there you go. So mm-hmm. I, I, that way, um, jobs. Like I've always been blessed with to get good jobs, mm-hmm. but I don't want a job anymore. I want a career. A job is this impermanence with a job. There's, I'm going to be here for a while, but then I'm going, to, I'm going to leave after a while. It's a stepping stone, maybe. Mm-hmm. I want a whole career. So instead of me coming to work, going to work immediately, some of those savings, I just paid bills out of my savings. I, I took a risk on myself. Mm-hmm. I spent, man, starting a company out here is expensive. Yep. It's expensive. If you do it the right you way, do it's the expensive. Right way. Yep. You're, spend, you're going to spend a little money. Mm-hmm. But I did everything the right way. I made sure I got my, my domain. My website. Mm-hmm. I made sure I got my EIN number. I made mm-hmm. sure I got my SEC registration. Mm-hmm. I went. I went to zoning. Made sure I got my company properly zoned. Mm-hmm. I went and got my business license. I talked to the lady to get my business license. I kid you not, man. It, it's normally like a ten day process. I got mine like a few hours. Mm-hmm. Cause I talked. I talked to the people and I told them what I was trying to do with with, with, my, with my life. So I made sure everything was above board. So. The change that I had to go through was learning to take a, a risk, get it out my head. I knew all this stuff in my head because I read the books. Mm-hmm. Go try to register with the SCC having just read a book. It means, dude, you're going to be stuck. Try to set a website up. I want to hire, I have a, I have a tech person. Mm-hmm. I have a, um, a chief technological officer. I gave her equity in my company to come run my company, Makaya Harper, mm-hmm. Carter Harper. And she she set my website out. She and it's run to the T. Mm-hmm. I have one of the best websites out here, bro. I'm just telling you. Like I'm talking about even from like these huge corporations. Mm-hmm. I have one of the best sites. But I but I knew I couldn't do that. I was gonna come home and do it myself. Mm-hmm. I was gonna go to GoDaddy.com and do it. But no, I decided to go to Wix and get, do everything the proper way. Mm-hmm. So when you go to DJB Pearl Legal Service, you're gonna find a great website that is 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 customer friendly. 
For sure. So my clients go up there, their family go up there, everything's there for you. Um, okay, I'm used to doing my handling my money a certain way. Mm -hmm. I'm not used to people looking at my money, man. Yeah, for sure. Like, you're not, <laughs> I'm not, you're not gonna <laughs> pay you, me through the website and cash out me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see through, my money. Yeah, see yeah. me through cash out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's cool. I mean, if you're gonna do it that way, but mm -hmm. it's it's it, you have to have a level of professionality that's just way up there. You can't be bootleg. You have to do it right. Mm -hmm. So I went on ahead and I got all the right software to run my company. You could pay me and I do my invoice. I sent invoices out today. You must knew you were speaking to me because that was just meant for me. Yeah. <laughs> to hear you just saying <laughs> right. is uh -huh. something I'm trying to kind of kick off and get started yeah. with when it comes to cigars. I mean, the cigars and the okay. business, okay. the line, everything you just mentioned, uh -huh. even though you did it, you know, your your professional, your occupation is right. totally some focus on something different. Right. And my focus is something different, right. but everything you just listed is like on point. On point. I was I was yeah. gonna I, I was gonna bring my uh I was gonna bring my tech officer here today, but uh I didn't know who you were and I'm like it's not appropriate. Uh, so we didn't bring up. Yeah, for sure. Um I, I, wanna, I wanna touch on the, uh -huh. the change part. Uh-huh. When did you recognize that you were changing? You don't a lot of times, man. So, so, all right. So, with with that, uh -huh. I mean, because I, I think about the same thing. So, uh -huh. how, you know, what I mean, change is is real heavy to me, and like a lot uh, as far as like you know, what I mean, how much it weighs in on my life. And I, uh -huh. I look back and see all the time that like, damn, I'm, I'm not the same person I was last year. Uh -huh. I'm definitely the same person I was five years uh -huh. and ten years and beyond. But I can't. There's no defining moment when I change. You know what I'm saying? I, I try to like, dang, when, when did I? Why did I actually change into this per this person? And you know what I mean. And, right. But you know, I can't tap into a moment. You know what I mean. But I be I be trying to be at least self aware. Like I right, so I know that I'm changing. I know I'm continuously changing. And I got to be in, in tune with myself to understand that I'm actually changing. I mean, how do you recognize change? And how do you know when it's time to change? Or how did you know when it was time to change? There's a, there are, there are many things. One one thing that stands out to me. Uh, and it means a lot because when you look up to people mm -hmm. and you kind of put them on a platform as to like what you aspire or to be or how you want to be, carry yourself. Like Pizzo, my cousin, like he, man, I, 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 I have to take his clothes, man. I think he still <laughs> owe me a coat though. I'm trying to find his damn coat for about 20 years, man. I can't find the coat. But uh, be that as me, he came to see me and he was like, he asked me some advice about um, personal issue. Mm -hmm. And I taught him about my experience with that issue. And he was like, man, Talking, he sent me a message, and he was like, talking to you is like, like you the big cousin, and I was younger cousin today. And I was like, wow, that meant, that meant the word to me. His sister came to see me as well, and she said the same thing. Like, these are my big cousins that I couldn't, I couldn't come up and say, they called me Donnie, and I was like, huh? No, we couldn't do that. <laughs> I had to talk to them like I talked to my aunts and uncles. That's just mm. how we, we are, we're in my family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I looked up at them. So for them to tell me that I inspired them, and that they would seek my opinion, about something that's so personal in their lives, that made that made me. That's when it's it's like okay, wow, man, okay, okay, this 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 is a good thing. When when you find you say okay in your relationship, you find that you don't like certain things uh, uh, in your in your relationship anymore, and your your things have changed. The people around you a lot of time will let you know when you change. They'll tell you, mm. where do you go? Who do you like being around? What do you like talking about? Mm -hmm. What 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 piques your interest? Like, what, what you want to do with yourself is going to be reflected in all of these things. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. And I think a lot of us lack that. You know what I mean? A lot of people lack that self-awareness to, to tune in to like, yo, what do, I, what do I actually like to do? Or revisit that idea. Because mm -hmm. you can come up with that today, mm -hmm. but then next year you might want to rethink that because you might be in a different position. 
money might be different. That's, Relationship. that's like when I seen you, when I got here, and you was telling me you was vegan. I was like, you, yeah. you, you vegan? Like, D? Like, yeah. back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? And then just talking to him and just getting that inspiration from him and listening to him, I was like, you know, this might be beneficial for me mm-hmm. uh, on my journey with some of my health issues. So I kind of listened to him and he inspired me. I did it for a week, then I did it for a month, then I was 225, then I was down to 210, mm-hmm. as you know it. Then we started clicking, we started back working out together. So, okay. uh, mm-hmm. you know, our friendship just got stronger. You okay. know, through that, yeah. and seeing him change when I got here, I so how so happened. I just happened to get stationed here mm-hmm. to be, you know, close to him. You know, yeah. uh, out of the blue moon, and this right. is his own town. You know, did yeah. not know yeah. I was gonna be next to my road dog. It's know? crazy because that's changed right now. Yeah. Just yeah. back to see him, like after all those years. I, I'm like, he knew when I was 19, 19, 20 years old. I'm thirty eight now. You know what I mean? Hey, way younger than me, man. How are you? I'm forty. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? So, okay. 38, yeah. I mean, he knew when I was 19, though. Yeah, yeah Totally yeah, different yeah. person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally different yeah. person. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, that change thing, man, uh, I look back when we was back young, and I'd be just, I'd be like, man, I can't even imagine doing some of the same things. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You know how much, how how many fights we'd have been in back in the day. You know what, <laughs> I mean? yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, now, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, now, I get anxiety thinking about being in a physical mm-hmm, altercation. Mm-hmm, like, you know what I mean? Because I know that... I guess one of the major things is that I know it ain't worth it. Like, you know what I'm saying? The results of this is not about to be nothing beneficial for me at all. You know what I mean? Not my pride, not my ego. Even the things that I think I'm going to gain from the situation, I'm not really gaining that. You know what I mean? I'm lying to myself. And it's based on a set of traumas that I, I kind of normalized back in the day. You know what I mean? I got used to smacking. You know what I mean? The people that was around me, physical altercation was the thing to do. You know what I mean? In the, in the midst of trying to handle your problems, if I got a problem with you, I'm going to handle it like a man. Physical, you know what I mean? Like now, it has transpired into guns, and people want to kill you. Nobody really wants to, you know what I mean? Fight anymore. But even back when I was fighting, I felt like, yeah, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm a man because I'm, I'm choosing to fight and not pick up a gun. Even that was wrong thinking, you know what I mean? Right, right. But now, as a, as a 38 year old, I'm like, dang, like, at what point did I change? At what moment did I like stop being that way? Or was it that I, I had to go through it? That I had to live it. The fact that I got into all those fights back in the day and I went through all that and yes. I got all these war wounds. Is that what made me that? But then, yeah, you just said it. I mean, it's through, through experiences. It's through those challenges that you went through, that journey of learning that wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. uh, gaining knowledge. You know, it, it's a whole journey, man. It, it, you ain't going to wake up the next day and just see change, I don't think, man. No. It's, it's, a, it's an entire journey. It's yeah. a life journey, man. Sure. I think you could constantly change, man. Uh, I agree. I don't think people really stay the same. Honestly. I don't think nobody stays the same. But I, that's the conversation I wanted to have because when I think about listeners, they think about, you know what I mean? Like, right. reflect this on your life. Where, where were you at a year ago? And what? then take that moving forward because right. all the aspirations you have right. have a, a different outlook on them. Because a lot of people, like you say, like, oh, I can never do that. Right. But if you believe, if you look back on your life and see where you came from, that might inspire you to where you're about to go. Because then you won't say, oh, I might not can do that. What about knowing the value of your own self-worth? Like, the, once you know the value of your own self-worth, mm-hmm. like, you know you know that sitting in jail, man, <laughs> dude, ain't no, ain't no fight worth it. Mm-hmm. You know that losing your life is not worth it. Because you know your life has value to you. Mm-hmm. When, when we're young and reckless, we don't understand the value of our lives. And we sometimes we, we fail to appreciate the value of other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So we put ourselves in situations. Driving. Perfect example, driving. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I had a... I had a uh, 82 dots and 280 ZX before I got locked up. Mm-hmm. I used to drive like a bet out of hell, man. I used to drive that car. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Man, the speed limit, I might do five with <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Straight yeah. up. I don't I want to crash. I don't mm-hmm. want my shorts race to go up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> I don't want to get injured. Yep. I don't want nobody getting road rage mm-hmm. at the kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all those things you take into consideration. Like you say, you grow up, you get older, you get wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn that, man, listen, this is not worth it to me. Yes, I agree. It ain't. Hurt my knuckles, man. Punching somebody. I wish man, I would, listen. man. Walk away. You got it, bro. Whatever, man. For, for real. Exactly. Go I'm, the say, I'm the same, same exact way. Real talk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, we, could, we could have a different conversation, too, as well, with that with that person that you thinking about, like, hey, that you might have to have an altercation with, like, hey, why are we at this point? Yeah, how do we even get to this point? Yeah, to how do we wanna, get to this point, right? Yeah. Because we really don't understand each other. So maybe we need to sit down and just, hey, communication. talk about it, right? Communication. Mm-hmm. Most, most yeah. issues between people... Is break down the communication, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Or you like feeling like they not heard. Yeah. Yeah. Break break down the communication. You you don't understand the other person, and that person doesn't understand you. You know what I mean? And that's usually the breakdown. And that's a I think that's an issue when it comes to youth too as well. Like yes, hey, yes, like yes, not yes, heard. yes, yes, yes. And also you tie that with I don't feel like I'm heard. I don't feel like I have hope as well. You put those together. That's dangerous. Dangerous boy. Yeah. Lack of hope. Two common phrases I hate to hear young person say. I don't have nothing to lose, and fuck it. Those two phrases right there are dangerous. They're dangerous. Because when a person, they have nothing to lose, that is a dangerous individual. Mm-hmm. And you may, you may see that a person has something to lose, but if they don't see it, it's dangerous. So we have to start making people see, or go back to what I said, the value of your own self-worth. You mm-hmm. do have something to lose. You have your life. Yes. You have your freedom. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I'm, I'm working on a, a, a different project called Blind Dangers, and it's based on that same narrative, is that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't, they don't like, the same as you don't have anything to lose. Actually, mm-hmm. you do. You just you can't see it yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. Like, yo, you have a lot of blind dangers that you're just not even aware of. There's a lot of things that this path that you want is going to, you know what I mean, affect. You know what I mean? A uh, prime example would be somebody in the streets. Mm-hmm. You thinking that you're making the money. You doing what you got to do. Your peers are celebrating you, whatever the case is. But then when you go to jail and if you eat that, like, oh, you know, I'm going to stand tall and do what I got to do. <laughs> But the effects on your mom, the effects on your children, mm-hmm. the effects on your family, mm-hmm. those are the dangers because you don't even realize how much that's affecting them. You don't know all the pain that you really caused your mom. And, I, and I'm pretty sure if you did, that amount of pain she went through, and you say, I, was that worth that? You know what I'm saying? And almost 10 times out of 10, a person say, nah. You know what I mean? Or when you ask a person to come on the back end, hey, was the crime that you did worth that time you spent in jail? And I'm pretty sure you can relate because you've been in there. Ten time, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, nah. Unless it was a, a situation where, hey, I, you know what I mean, you, tried, you came in and killed my mom, and then I, you know what I mean, and I just mm-hmm. got locked up because of that. That's a, maybe a different story. I think there are exceptions to the rule in every case, but right. for the most part, it's never worth it. Never. You know what I mean? So, yeah, but again, I just want to speak to, like, you know what I mean, that, that blind thing. Just, you don't even realize the, how much your, your decisions compound. How far they reach. You gotta have guys also willing to be honest. Like if, if if I go in there after all those years, over two over two decades, and I come back like, man, it won't shit, man. I did my bid, mm-hmm. man. I came home, I stood strong, won't nothing. Yep. That's a damn lie. You, you you have to you have to you have to be honest. The honest part was that there were many days, nights that I cried. My parents died when I was in there, my grandparents died when I was in there. I've had other relatives pass away while I was in prison. You know, you're in there. You, you, I couldn't rate all the first and last. Was my children were a lot of things. I didn't get. By the time I came back out, my youngest son was two months old when I went to prison. 
When I came home, he had a one-year-old daughter. He was 22 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't have relationships with my sons. Their mother remarried and, and raised her son, my sons, with her, her husband. Mm-hmm. That's, the reality. That's what doing, being in prison does to you. For it sure. destroys. If you get behind those walls and you find something good, mm-hmm. it's because God has been merciful to you. Word. It's destructive. Word. It is not a place that's, that is not a rite of passage for men. Women and children go in and say, I did, I held it down. Mm-hmm. Nah, because I know the toughest dude that have cried. Come sit in my cell and cried. Mm-hmm. Because you are deprived of everything. It's a place of deprivation. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be willing to come out here and be honest about what being inside there is. The thing that I'm out here doing right now, I'm the exception to the rule. Because by the grace of God, I'm making myself the exception to the rule. They give you so many years to come out here and recidivate. I'll be damned. So that means I had to prepare myself before I walked out the door. Mm-hmm. And once I got out here, you're not going to derail me. I was talking to my cousin before I came over here. And the one thing I told him was, he'll tell you this. I said, I said, I said, bro, my opinion trumps everybody's with regards to me coming over here to do this interview until sure. I'm comfortable. Word. My opinion trumps everyone. Fact. If you feel comfortable, that's cool with you. I don't know them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to. I'm assured and I feel assured in my own mind and my own heart that I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to be safe. For and sure. that there would be no kind of negative repercussion for come over here, mm-hmm. uh, talking to brothers and sitting down. Mm-hmm. So that's me being honest. Yep. But when the young people know that you're being honest, I promise you this, man, you can go anywhere. The brothers won't try to harm you mm-hmm. if you're honest. If you're honest. You come talking bullshit, they're not going to listen to you. Yep. They're not going to listen. Mm-hmm. But if you're honest, and you don't have to be a street dude. A lot of street dude, we tell a guy that ain't from the street, man, you ain't got to be from out here. Just mm-hmm. tell us your story, bro. Well, your, hard, your hardship in life might have been that your, your parents didn't get you a game system. Mm-hmm. My hardship might have been we couldn't pay the utility bill. Yep. Well, be honest about your hardship. Don't try to be me. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Be honest. And I think that right there is what bridges the gap. That's what bridges the gap and allows mm-hmm. us to talk to the youth. And anybody, it don't just have to be the youth. Because a lot of times, you know, it, it, may be, it may be the elderly people that, that need to be spoken to. Because you got a fucked up parent, how do you be a good child? Mm-hmm. Real talk. You got a horrible mom and a horrible dad. How you talking about that? Be a good child. Mm-hmm. This is reality. If you go home and your house is filthy inside because nobody above you cleans up or make you clean up, mm-hmm. how are you going to be comfortable? I agree. So when we start approaching people, you know, if we're honest with them, I think it, 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 the dialogue will open up and we can start to have some kind of effective, uh, uh, some positively effective changes. Mm-hmm. That's the only way, but you got to be honest. I agree. That's, that's my view anyway. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um... Everything you two said, I resonate with well because that same message is what I try to. That's one of the things I try to talk to the youth about. Like, listen, man, like your decisions, they, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot to that. It's a lot, like it, everyday decisions, you know what I mean? And you gotta just move conscious of that, you know what I mean? No matter what you do, I, I really, you know what I mean? You, you your own man at the end of the day. You're gonna make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. I'm only, I only try to come into life and just try to present some kind of self awareness. You know what I mean? That's the only thing I'm here to do. Like, I don't want to change you. I ain't, I ain't here to tell you to stop doing whatever you do. But once you tap into that self-awareness, you got to really talk to yourself about what matters. You know what I'm saying? If you know, if you can have someone come to you and say, hey, uh, like you, for instance, you went through that system. You did that time. And now you're here and you can speak testament like, oh, I, I wasn't around for, for, for this and I wasn't around for that. And someone can hear that and, might, and that might click for them to be like, damn. You know what I mean? The things that I am doing, like, I, I, you know what I mean? It's that realization might set in. So I appreciate you communicating that because 
that is really, you know what I mean, true to, you know what I mean, how I feel about what we need to communicate with our youth, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I appreciate it. That's one of that you know I resonate with that well. Um, but what's, what's next for you, man? Um, where are you going? Oh, this just growing, just growing my business, man. Okay. Um, like I probably, I probably be hiring another consultant soon. Okay. Um, I work hard, save my money. It's not about house. How, how can how can people um, reach out to you? How can people support you? How can people, you know, what I mean, tune in, or tap in, and uh, connect with you? Uh, you can go to my website at djbparlegalsvc.com. Okay. And everything's on the website uh, with regards to my business. You can tune into Healing from Injustice, hosted by Donnell J. Blunt Sr., a.k.a. Basile, on Spotify. And up there I have shows dealing with individuals who are incarcerated. And these are guys that I personally believe in, that I'm personally trying to get home. Um, my guy that I deal with, they, they, they're not going to try to pull wool over your eyes. And these are guys who really have caught a bad deal with the system. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of them have admitted their guilt. But the time they've gotten is just... <laughs> horrendous. And, and these, uh, these are like live and like people are still incarcerated? Yes, yes. Okay. I have them call in over the radio, uh, over the phone rather than I interview them. Right. Um, and just them to speak to, the, to their cases. Uh, most of them have clemency petitions pending uh, trying to get out. And these are the guys that I've actually done their petitions for free. You know, these guys, I didn't have the funds to pay for it so I took care of their, their, their legal uh, stuff for free. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I work with an attorney out in, out in um, Portsmouth mm -hmm. and I'm working. Saving money, mm -hmm. trying to buy a house. Matter of fact, it's got a new laptop came in today, man. So I'm gonna set that up so I can if I, if I can work work remotely uh, on the day my boss need to call me at home, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, you. I feel you. And doing stuff like this, yeah. I, I'm interested in networking with those who are trying to find tangible solutions. Uh, let's not think that our communities are beyond redemption. Let's try to find ways to bring jobs back into our communities. Mm -hmm. Like when people can't work, we can't tell them to go get jobs. If people find themselves uh, on islands, when you don't have transportation, you're on an island. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to deal with issues going forward about being on, in food deserts, mm -hmm. where you have people who have, they may receive um, money from work, they may receive government assistance, but we suffer, like you talked about your uh, going vegan and the, the health implication that it's had. Uh, well, there are people in our communities who are suffering, and not just black communities, people who are economically strapped, who are struggling. Yes. They may be working every day to make ends meet, mm -hmm. but we don't have fresh fruits and vegetables available for them. Yep. So we have to deal with things like that. Yeah, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is, it is, it is, it yep. is. Um, we have to use our dollars to show what we think. So if I say that I don't believe in whatever the thing is, don't let your dollar reflect otherwise. Hmm. If I say that I believe in economic responsibility, I should not be out buying my child all these expensive clothes and shoes when I live in an apartment. Mm. I should be preparing for an exit strategy to get me into something better. If I'm in a relationship and I say we want the next best thing, we should be paying our debt down mm -hmm. and not incurring it if we can. So all these things are, 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 are what I'm doing. You know, I, I live it every single day. Um, cook at home. You know, don't yeah. eat out so much. Mm -hmm. I believe in that. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> Keep money in your pocket. Yeah. When you when, when, I, when I changed my eating habits, it uh well, it forced too. me it forced me down that way. Cause when mm -hmm. you start going out, mm -hmm. you know what I mean you limited to side items because mm -hmm. everything got this, everything got that, and you know once you tighten up when you get yourself disciplined on, uh, you it forces you like if I want to eat good, I gotta cook myself. Mm 
Because if yeah. not, I'm about to get all the side items and all the greasy and all the, mm-hmm. yeah. the BS sodium, on the side. Yeah. about that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't measure their salt content when they're cooking their food man, like you can when you're at home. And that, that affects us, yep. you know, our community salt, salt a and sugar, lot man. because, uh, yeah. Salt and sugar. Salt and sugar is a two thing, bro, that yeah. I, once I keyed in on those two things in my life, my mental changed, my body changed, you know what I mean? And, um, and even looking back, I think even the path that I'm on now, you know what I mean? It all played a part in it. Because I don't, I don't think if I was still on that, on that wave and still drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. I would have been a clear mind to like see all my talents showing through. You know what I mean? I might have glossed over a lot of things or a lot of opportunities, and I might not have been doing this. You know what I mean? Um, so I attribute all that stuff to way, you know what I mean? Me thinking better. Uh, and there's a bunch of things I can mention, but you know what I mean? Right. That's uh, all attached to what I put in my body. I even got a... The newest podcast I'm producing, all, all Things Plants, coming soon. Everybody listening, tap into that. Um, but I've learned a lot of things doing that podcast. Okay. Just learning about plants in general and how much they affect our, or evolve with our day-to-day. You know what I mean? Whether it be health, whether it be uh, society issues, whether it be, you know what I mean? You can break it down to having the availability of fresh fruit. Mm-hmm. All that stuff, man. And uh, it's been opening my eyes up. and Yeah, it's been, it's been a good journey, man. So, um, yeah, for sure. But yo, I appreciate you pulling up today, appreciate my you, man. Um, I, I'm gonna tap into everything you got going on. I'm gonna keep in contact with you. I got your number. That the number you called me from earlier. That's uh, but my, my business number is seven five seven three three zero three two six zero. Bet anybody listening, tap in, connect with my man. Um, it's been a great, really dope to sit down and talk to you, bro. Uh, yeah, the, the, the perspective you offered is, is valuable. Thank you know you. what I mean? Uh, to me personally, and for me, I'm like I'm one of the people that if if it helps one person. It was it was worth it. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a part of this podcasting thing too. Cause somebody hear this, if one person gets something out of this, if one person pull five seconds of this conversation and it spirals into something positive, for me, I'm I'm filled. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I think what you what you what you put on on the table today is uh, it's gonna help a lot of people. It helped me. I'm gonna listen back to this. You know what I mean? Uh, and gain some more insight and perspective on it. And, uh, yeah, bro, I appreciate you, and uh, hopefully we can uh, we can we can we can cross the boundaries later. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Another, either another podcast or something like that. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in today uh, to the Unorthodox Haven. Um, tune in to uh, tune in to, to, to future episodes. Uh, look out for uh, All Things Plant podcast. We're working on that. By the time this episode drops, sh- the podcast should be out by then. We are a couple of episodes in. We got some good content coming with that. Uh, check out my man Pizzo's podcast, The Crib Podcast. Uh, we got interviews with uh, Pusha T and, and Bink Up right now. Y'all tune into that. Y'all run them views up. Uh, check us out on uh, YouTube, MCXI Studios. Uh, we got another podcast, Waterways Podcast. Check that out on all DSPs, all platforms. We on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon Music, the whole nine. Uh, Unorthodox Haven, what I say? The Crib Podcast, Unorthodox Haven, Waterways Podcast, All Things Plant Podcast. Uh, and we got, we got. I'm working on a couple other projects too. I won't mention right now. But I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Go like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, peace. Unorthodox Haven. Unorthodox Haven. 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 Haven.